Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. There are three types of people in this world. Those who are good at math and those who aren't. Waitress came up to me one day and said, how do you like your eggs? And I said, in cake. (laughs) Hey, cake is great for breakfast, right? You got eggs, you got wheat, right? That's like cereal. All right. We got a Bible. You're going to want to open with me today. Uh, We're going to, my goodness, where are we going to be? We're going to start in chapter 12 of Luke. And we're going to do a large portion of Luke 13 as well. Now, I wanted to play a song for you in the sermon intro. I wanted them to change it to one of my favorite songs of all time by Chevelle. I can't even sing it, but the words go something like this. Don't fake this, except scream. Don't fake this. Don't fake this. Don't fake this. That's the title of my message today, by the way. Don't fake this. Um, I have preached from the passage I'm going to use today numerous times over the years. This time, reading through the book of Luke, click, light came on. What happened as I was reading through is I noticed that the passage I want to deal with today is actually literally sandwiched between a couple of times. So I'm going to ask you a question. How you doing? Anybody ask you, how you doing today? And you're like, great. (laughs) Thank you for that. How you doing? And you say, great. Deep down inside, you're like, well, I'm mad at my wife. My kids are being noily and pain in the rumps today. I can't get my bills paid. I've paid the bills and I'm short this month. And yet, how are you? Fine. Wonderful. Anybody ever do that other than me? Come on. Come on. All right. I didn't sleep last night. How you doing? Great. Awesome. Good to see you this morning. Inside, I'm like, I just want to take a nap. <laughs> y'all ever, y'all, yes. do you know what you call that? Faking. We're faking, man. Um, so you ever put on false face for somebody? Like um, you're fighting with your spouse and you're having the good old argument and somebody calls on the phone and you hear her say, Hello. <laughs> When previously, before, your swear was demon. Hey, don't we have, we've got a whole, what's a good way of putting it? Um, Social media is like designed for faking, right? I mean, just think, Instagram is nothing but fake. How many of you have put up your worst selfie on Instagram? You know, you take 15 selfies, and then you find the one you like that has your angle just right so your nose isn't so big, doesn't show the bags under your eyes, and then you put a little bit more of a filter on it, and you put it up, because what you want everybody to see is your fake life. Could we have real social media posts on time? I would love to have some real social media posts. I found one. I didn't want to put it up because it would disturb you too much, because their house was a mess. 
But of course, their house being a mess was better than my house on its clean days. Because people don't like to show the real you. We go on this great vacation, get in a fight. Now we're not even talking, but we post a picture. <laughs> you know, half the family's not talking to each other. Y'all ever been there? Yes. But yet what we want to do is we want to put out for everybody that our life is perfect so that we can impress people. It's called faking. And my message today is don't fake this. The word hypocrite is a common word. Now, but it was also a common word during the days of Jesus. Hypocrite actually was a word that was used for actors. Now, in those days, when an actor came to town, they didn't come with a whole troupe. There weren't like 14 actors. They didn't show up, and they had musical score and lights and fog machines and all that kind of stuff. It was one dude. One dude showed up, and he played every part. So if he was going to play the part of Caesar, he would put on a Caesar mask. If he was going to play the part of, I don't know, Marcus Aurelius or whatever, he'd put on that mask. Or he's going to play, you know, the, the snake's part, he would put a mask on of a snake. He, whatever it was, he would change his voice and put on his mask. And, and that's what the word hypocrite literally meant, was an actor who was performing multiple parts by wearing different masks and talking in different ways. And I'm not sure uh, the word hypocrite was ever used pejoratively until Jesus came on the scene. And once he came on the scene, he changed the usage of the word hypocrite for all times. Because actors were just people that acted. Now, our parable today is sandwiched between two times when Jesus goes off on people and calls them hypocrites. So the first one is a request to judge for yourself. So if you go to like Luke chapter 12, verse 54, we're going to read something, all right? Let's, let's just read it. He said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say it's going to be hot, and it is. What? I mean, you know, hey, did anybody check the weather forecast today? Everybody check did you dress according to the weather forecast today? Okay. All right. So you put on shorts because it's going to be hot. But what, what, what he's about to do here, he calls them hypocrites. He's saying, hey, it's one thing to put on a pair of shorts, but it's another thing for you to put on a belly shirt when your can of donuts is spilling out. <laughs> now, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that you whatever. I'm just saying, at some point, don't you judge what is the appropriate lines? And what does he call a person? Well, anyway, he says, so you look at the weather and you can discern what's right. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the weather forecast. How is it you don't interpret this time? Why don't you judge for yourself What's right and wrong? Now, we live in a culture that says what all the time? <clears throat> Don't judge me. Only God can judge me. Bull. <laughs> Anybody ever say at church, only God can judge me? That's nothing but a load of bull. You know why? Because you judge yourself all the time. I'm not even talking about anybody else. You judge yourself. 
So what is it? You're a hypocrite. You're faking. You're lying to yourself. Only God can judge me. No, you judge yourself. And everybody else judges you too because that's the world we live in. Do you know the Bible literally says that Christians, you're going to judge angels? Did you know that? That's your job one day to judge angels. Y'all didn't know that? You're going to be given responsibility to judge all of creation. You are. So you better start practicing and doing it right now. And what he's saying is this whole failure to judge in our culture that we never call anything wrong. This whole failure to judge is nothing but hypocrisy because we only call things wrong that we feel comfortable calling wrong because we can't call anything wrong if it's at least a bit controversial or if it makes somebody mad at us. Why don't you judge for yourself what's right? Why don't you learn to discern, you ready for this? Right from wrong because there is a difference between right and wrong. Hypocrites. You can look at the weather and know what's going to happen. But we refuse to look at our situation and realize that if we put that on our credit card, we're not going to have enough money to pay for it next month. Therefore, we're going to pay somebody 25% interest for food we've already pooped out. Are y'all following me? Why don't we judge what is right and what is wrong? So the request is to pay attention, judge for yourself. We all do it. We all do it. We all do it. We just need to get better at it. Okay? The second is a request to treat people as good as your animals. Now we got to go all the way down to Luke chapter 13. So go one more chapter over, Luke chapter 13, verse 10. On a Sabbath... Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. And when Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for you to come and work, so come and be healed on those days. Don't do it on the Sabbath. Hold on, what, what did we just learn? You need to judge for yourself what is right. And now we've got a clear example of a person who's not judging for themselves what is right and wrong. Obviously, saying, well, don't be healed on a Sunday, that's wrong, or on a Sabbath, that's wrong. So what did Jesus do? The Lord answered him, you mask wearer, you hypocrite, you fake you fraud, you fake, you play in one thing and do in another. And then he proves it. He said, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey in the stall and lead them and give them water? You, Mr. Synagogue leader, who don't want this lady to be healed, you will untie your donkey and give them water, which is technically work. But you're saying she can't be healed on the Sabbath. Come on. Why don't you judge for yourself what is right? All right, you hypocrites. And then he said, should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan had bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what is bound her? And when he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted in those wonderful things he was doing. A couple of thoughts about this story here. And then this story is just to set up where I'm going today. Pet care. 
We, we treat our pets better than we treat people. You know, in America, last year, $136 billion was spent on our pets. Yeah, the average dog cost $730 to keep last year. $730. But yet in October, I'm going to ask you to give one day of your wages to feed kids who have no food. And you're going to be like, oh, the church wants my money. <laughs> but every penny we go to feed somebody that can't eat, a human that can't eat, but we'll spend more money than that on our dog. Why don't we judge for ourselves what's right? We're running around making judgments all the time. Have you, hypocrite? Hypocrite is a person that makes a judgment wearing a mask, not dealing with the facts. Before you call somebody a hypocrite, just realize when you point a finger, these are all pointing back at you. I am a hypocrite. We'll talk about that in a minute. All right? So the common theology of the day is this woman... Now, now y'all ever hear of karma? Y'all ever hear those words? Karma is I do good, good comes to me, I do bad, bad comes to me. Well, the common ideology of the day of Jesus was pretty much about like it is now. And, and they thought this woman was sick because she had done something wrong. Therefore, she deserved to be bad and she deserved to have the sickness. And, and what Jesus is doing is saying, no, listen, this woman is a child of Abraham, a daughter of God, as much as you are a child of God. And she deserves God's mercy every bit as much as you do. All right. So in both instances, Jesus is calling out those who wear a false face. We make a judgment about things or others, and then we don't apply that same standard to ourselves. The Bible tell, never tells us not to judge. It does say that if you judge, the same standard will be used in judging you. So we don't treat others good and then pretend that we're still doing God's thing. That's a problem. All right, one more setup. Y'all ready? And then after the setup, I'll get to my message. And by the way, my message will be really fast because I'm taking all my time to set up. Y'all ready? 13, Luke 13, verses 1 through 5. Let's read it. <clears throat> now, there were some present at that time who told Jesus. Remember, he's just called out people for being hypocrites. For not judging for themselves what's right. Now, there were some present at that time who told Jesus about Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Can we stop and tell that story for a second? The story goes like this. There, were, uh, there was a guy named Pilate who'd taken money out of the temple to create his building project. So he wanted an aqueduct for water to Jerusalem. He was digging an aqueduct. He ran out of money. So he took money that was dedicated to keep the temple going. And he used it to dig his water for Jerusalem for the good of the city. Well, the Jewish people, when they heard that their offering money to the temple to keep the temple was used to build water, they began to 
push back and there was a, a little bit of a, a social disturbance and then there was a riot and there were people that were just going to the temple to bring their sacrifices that day when the riot ensued and a few hotheads got out of control and what wound up happening, Pilate sent the soldiers in and the soldiers squashed the riot with incredible amounts of violence and there were people who sacrificing their two sacrifice animals that just as worship to God that died that day and and there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Pilate said, you don't fight me, I'll show you. Wow. All right. And then Jesus said, this is the, remember the woman, you know, woman who's been sick for 18 years and everybody's saying she's not even to be treated as good as an ox. All right. Jesus said, do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans who suffered this way? Do you think because they had something bad happen to them, they were worse than everybody else? Valid question, right? And then notice Jesus' response. I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will perish. Hold on. Oh, we'll, we'll come back. We'll come back. Let's finish. Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think they're more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? So what else happened here? We don't know this story, but apparently there was a tower. Siloam was a pool, and apparently there were some people that were just going to get water from the pool or take a bath at the pool or whatever they were doing at the pool that day, and they went to the pool. Instead, a tower fell on them, and 18 of them died. And Jesus said, what, you think they were bad sinners because a tower fell on them and they died? And he said, I tell you no, but unless you... What? Notice this word again. Unless you do what? Come on. Y'all awake? I, I know. I know I'm being, I'm going through text. I'm covering a lot of scripture here, but I'm going to try to tie it all up in a second. But I'm doing this on purpose. I want you to see this. Unless you do what? Repent. Repent you too will all perish. So hypocrite, hypocrite, repent, repent. And then the story, in just a second, I want to talk to you about. But before I do that. Do you secretly celebrate when a business rival fails? You got somebody that you're competing for the same job and then they fail and they do something wrong. Do you celebrate their failure? Wow. What does that say about you? Have you ever thought about that? I'm a pastor. I sometimes get news that, you know, local churches are having trouble and I know some of the shrapnel will wind up here. What's in my heart in that moment reveals who I am as a person. Do I celebrate? Yeah, we're going to get some of the shrapnel. Or do I grieve over their failure? <sighs> Sorry. I'm just... All right, I'm not preaching to you today. All right, y'all just sitting and listen to me talk to myself, okay? Because I'm a hypocrite. You a hypocrite? Unless you repent, you're going to perish too. Hmm. What, what are you faking? And we'll come back to that. Response, uh, uh, um, the response to Jesus in both stories is the same. Repent or perish. That means to change. To me, the first time I read this, because I read this passage over and over and over again, but I read it just in the context of this story. And I didn't read it in the context of the greater narrative here. And every time I read Jesus' response, 
Unless you repent, you're going to perish. I thought, that's a little rude. You know, these people go to sacrifice and they get killed. And Jesus says, yeah, but unless you repent, you're going to die too. And then he says, there was this tower that fell on innocent people, but unless you repent, you're going to die too. And I thought, that's a, come on, that's a little rude, isn't it? Until I realized in the greater context what he's doing is he's talking about our tendency to be hypocrites and to fake and that we need to take the mask off. So, um, one final question. Does your life really produce good fruit? Does your life really produce good fruit so that 50 years ago, 50 years from now, when you're dead, there will be outgrowth of your life that is still positive because of the fruit you're producing with your life right now? Does your life really produce good fruit for you, your family, and for God? All right, all that's my introduction. So now, would you all stand to your feet in honor of God's word this morning? <clears throat> Listen, the sermon I had prepared is much more engaging than this sermon. But I chose, I've chosen this year, to stop going with engaging, to go with the Scripture, and to try to give you the context of Scripture. Because I want you to get this. Your faking is destroying you and everybody else around you. All right, 13, verse, uh, where are we at? Six. Y'all got your Bibles? Open up and look along with me. In response to all these things, right in the middle, everything else is a story. In the middle, Jesus told a parable. And parables were always Jesus' way of taking the meaning of what he was trying to get across and reducing it to a couple of simple points, usually one simple point. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree. Wow. That's just so captivating. A dude had a tree. And he had a fig tree. Now, what are fig trees supposed to do, everybody? Bear figs. Wow, we know the purpose of the fig tree. Now, he had a fig tree, and it was, it was dying in his... Was it dying in his vineyard? It was doing what? Growing. So that means it had what? Leaves and all kinds of things going on, right? So it was growing in his vineyard. And he went to look for fruit on it, but what didn't he find? He didn't find fruit. So he said to the man who took care of his vineyard, he said, for three years now, three years is key because once a fig tree was mature, after three years, it was in its prime fruit bearing. And for three years, he had been coming to this mature tree looking for fruit. And he said, I found none. So what I, what I want you to do, cut it down. Do y'all remember the words he said to the people when he was talking about the Tower of Siloam, when he was talking about those whose blood was mixed? What did he say? Repent or perish. What is he saying to the tree? Bear fruit or get cut down. <clears throat> it's sort of like this has context around the story. 
But yet we want to take these stories out of context. There's context for it, okay? The context informs it. That's what I'm trying to teach you when you read the Bible. You don't just read a verse out of context. Because if you read a verse out of context, you never understand God's Word. You'll always be like, well, I don't understand it. Well, the reason you don't understand it is you've got to take time to read it all, to focus on it. Okay? So Jesus is telling this parable in response to what's going on around the story. He said, cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Now notice the response. I love this response. It is, um, sir, the man replied, that's the keeper of the vineyard. He said, leave it alone for one more year. Just give me one year. I'll dig around it and I'll fertilize it. Or I'll dig it and I'll dung it. If it bears fruit, fine. If not, then cut it down. So give me one year. I'm going to do a couple of things to make this tree stop being a hypocrite it's looking like it should bear fruit but it's bearing no fruit it's hypocrite it's wearing a mask it's wearing the mask of leaves with no fruit give me one year and if it doesn't bear fruit then if it doesn't repent we're going to make it perish are y'all following the themes here all right i'm expecting you to be bright adults today not kids all right so father i pray that today this word would speak to our heart and we would hear an answer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Before you're seated, turn, give somebody a big smile and a high five, and tell them it is so good to see them close to you. <laughs> if you're online, smile and high five to you. All right, so the tree was faking. It was faking it was useful, that it was bearing fruit, but it had no fruit. So two actions are taken when you begin to become a hypocrite in your life. God will take the same two actions against you that are taken against the tree. The first one is to dig it. Let me just make this simple as I know how to do it. In an arid climate, trees, well, what happened is trees have roots that go deep and trees have roots that sit on top of the ground. The trees that with the roots on top of the ground, they gather the nutrients and the moisture out of the top of the ground. But what happens if you're in an arid climate is that tree that's gathering all of its nutrients and, and moisture from the top of the ground, an arid climate where it doesn't rain, it will cease to have enough moisture flowing through the root system to, to produce fruit. So what gardeners will do is they will come along and they will take an axe and they will cut off all the surface roots to force the tree's roots to go deeper. Now, I plant oak trees. I've got an oak tree in my yard for every member of my family. I've got one for Rachel, I've got one for Matthew, I've got one for Heather, I've got one for Robin, got one for me, got one for Fallon, got one for the baby on the way. It's what I do. It's how I do it. I planted Pastor Matt's oak tree. It's different than all the other oak trees. All the other oak trees I have are red oaks, but I planted his. It is a white oak. If you know anything about a white oak, it is a swamp oak. The ground that I planted it on is actually the driest place in our yard. And, and the builder took away all the good soil and replaced it with nasty clay. So there's topsoil of clay, and I planted his tree right where there used to be a gravel road. So there's a gravel base, and then there's clay, and then I put his tree. And it's a swamp oak on the driest place of the yard that always dries up. That tree 
for the first four to five years it was in that space, barely stayed alive. You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to water it. You know why I wanted to water it? I wanted to water it to keep it alive. But if I watered it, do you know where it would have developed its root system? On the surface, I had a problem. I had a tree I wanted to keep alive. It was planted on a place that was incompatible with its growth until, do you know what oak trees have that maple trees and others don't have? They have a taproot. And you know what a taproot does? A taproot goes straight down and, and when it attaches itself to the water table, that oak tree will stay alive because it's down in the water table. So now, Pastor Matt's tree is this big flourishing swamp oak in the middle of the driest portion of the yard because it's not getting its water from the surface, but from deep, deep, deep down. Are y'all following me here? And if you're living your life on the surface and everything's about how you look on a selfie or everything's about how you appear to your neighbors and you have no deep taproot into the life of God, the time will come that God will come to look for fruit from you and he will find none and he's going to say to you, we got to do some chopping on you. We got to cut away your health. So you'll learn to pray. We got to cut away that job you trust in so much. So you'll learn to discipline your finances. We got to cut away this false relationship you got so you can learn to develop a right relationship. Are y'all, uh, y'all follow me? The most compassionate thing that the gardener can do to the tree that isn't bearing fruit is to chop away what is superfluous. And the most compassionate thing God can do to your life is to cut away what is superfluous in your life because you're faking that you're alive when you're really in the process of dying. Y'all know what suckers on tomato plants are, don't you? You get these tomato plants and they grow up and down bottom there will be these suckers. And you know the only purpose of a sucker? To be, yeah, to suck. What do you do with the suckers on the tomato plants? If you want your tomato plant, it's not, a tomato plant is not made, y'all ready for this? Tomato plants are not made to bear leaves. They're made to bear tomatoes, right? Not corn. We're not 2023 with tomato plants because God's design is always God's design. Tomato plants are made to make tomatoes. And when it, you know, if you want them to bear fruit, sometimes you have to go and grab all those suckers. And what do you do to the suckers? You pinch them off or cut them off. This is, some of you have things in your life that God is digging away from you. He is, he is chopping away the things in your life that are keeping you from producing fruit. And you're mad at God instead of judging for yourself what is right. Sort of like I read that phrase somewhere, right? So what are you faking that's okay that isn't? All right. By the way, I told you I'm a hypocrite. I'm a hypocrite, just like you. I was awake at 4 o'clock this morning, laying in bed. So I do what I normally do when I wake up because... If my mind goes the wrong places, I'll be awake for a long time. If my mind goes the wrong places, I'm not going to like the fruit of it. Are you following me? If I go to worry, 
I'll stay awake a long time. If I go to other places, I'm not going to like the fruit of it. So I decided I was going to pray. So at 4 o'clock this morning, I started praying. I hate it when God does this to me because you know what he told me? He told me about a time recently that I had been faking to impress somebody and told them a story that was exaggerated for the sake of impressing them. And he said, you need to repent of that. I hate it when God talks to me like that. Knowing I'm going to preach and he's telling me, you're a faker. Chop, chop. Johnny Erickson Tata, you might know her. She had an interview with Larry King years ago. She was made a quadriplegic at age 18 after diving into shallow water and breaking her neck. And she said, if you could be a fly on the wall in my bedroom on any given morning, if you could live in my skin for just a few days with quadriplegia, you would see that I can, it can decimate you. It just lays you flat. You come undone. You have no resources. And sometimes I think that my affliction is like a sheepdog snapping at my heels, making me run down the road to the cross of Jesus Christ for help. Where I ain't got nowhere else to go but God because it's so hard. And then she said this, the thing that helped me the most is getting my attention off myself and deciding... I was going to be a help to others. She said, this wheelchair, I think, has been God's way of turning my life inside out and jerking my priorities and values right side up. I pray God doesn't have to take you to quadriplegia when he digs you. But I do encourage you to let him dig you. Cut away the superfluous. Then the second thing is dung it. All right. It's not bad enough. You get cut. Cut me, Mick. Sorry. <laughs> if you don't get that reference, please, please watch Rocky One. It's the greatest movie ever made. Anyway, Rocky One. Dung it. What's dung it? Well, dung it's different than dig it. Dig it is cutting away the stuff that's superfluous. Dung it is the gardener suggests to fertilize the tree. And there's no wise, nice way to say it. They didn't have, they didn't have a miracle Grow or Scott's. They didn't have that. There was only one fertilizer. And the fertilizer stunk. It was unsanitary. And it was demoralizing. Dung. Poop. Crap. Stuff. <laughs> no matter what you call it, it's just not nice, right? The dung is dumped on the tree contains the nutrients that, that are converted into life because what the tree needed was the tree needed nutrients that it could convert. I'm going to make this simple and short. When I was a kid, some things happened to me that piled, backtracked, a dump truck backed up and just dumped a load of dung on me. And if you've had dung dumped on you, I just want to encourage you with this one truth. I've taken my entire life shoveling one shovel full of dung off of me to fertilize everybody else. Because what happened to me gives me compassion for what happens to you. Yes. 
And the dung that's in my life has not only fertilized me, it was enough that I'm able to help fertilize some of you too. (laughs) And if you're in this room and you feel like you've had a whole boatload of crap just dumped on you, maybe, just maybe, maybe, it's not just for you. Maybe your fertilization is for you to have something to fertilize you, but also for you to have something to fertilize others. Just very simple. Bad situations, because of this attitude, bad situations don't happen to me. I happen to bad situations. And through Jesus Christ, bad situations don't have to happen to you. You can happen to bad situations. Dung it. Hey, listen, that tree needed some nutrients. The only way it could get nutrients was to put something stinky on it, something rotting, something that was nasty. The only way it could get the nutrients was to give it something outside of itself that wasn't nice. It stunk. It's nasty. And some of you, the only way you're going to develop into the person you're called to be is when you embrace the fact that there's some crap that happens to you that isn't good. It's not your fault, but it can be a source of nutrients for you and for others. Very clear. Philippians 1.12. Paul is in prison, literally in prison. He's going to die probably in this prison. And what happens? He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what happened to me, a guy who's now living the rest of his life in prison, has actually happened to advance the gospel. Bad stuff happens to me. No, no, no. I happen to the bad stuff that happens to me through Jesus. It's an attitude. I could take you to a dozen places in the scripture that all say the same thing. Dig it, dung it. If you're faking, what does God want? He wants you to stop faking. He wants you to stop faking. He wants you to embrace the real you that he made you to be, that he made you to be. Not that this world is trying to make you to be. Not that your failures tell you you are. But you truly are. And he wants you to find it. And he wants you to grow in it. Because dung is never a curse. It's God's way of producing life in you. Now... I see Johnny's walking around with communion stuff. If you would like communion and you didn't get your communion elements, um, we're going to have them for you. Just catch their hand. I want to talk to you for a second, though, okay? Will you be honest with yourself? What are you faking? What are you faking? You like me at four in the morning? You're faking you're something you're not so you can impress people. And then when they find out that you lied to them or exaggerated or whatever it may be. You didn't impress them in the first place and now you got to make up for it. Like me, you're trying to impress people with the clothes you wear, the car you drive, the house you live in. Are, are, you, are you faking that you're too bad for God to love you? Are you faking that you're all perfect and you got a chance to look down your nose at everybody else? Are you faking that you're too bad So you're sort of helpless. What are you faking? Are you faking a relationship you don't really have? You're faking. What what, what are you faking? You're faking that you got your life all together and yet you're hiding in a bottle? What are you doing? What are you faking? 
And I want to give you the message of this parable and the clear message all the way around. Y'all ready for this? Y'all ready? Repent or perish. Repent or perish. God's going to cut you down. Before he cuts you down, he's going to give you an opportunity. He's going to talk to you about repentance. He's going to say and do some things to dig you and dung you. Give you an opportunity. But if you don't pay attention, you don't bear fruit. You know what's going to happen if you don't repent? What's going to happen? You're going to perish. I, I want to give you this woo sermon. Hey, listen, you can. I, there is a woo in there. But if you don't repent, you're going to perish. Now listen, I have no idea why God wanted me to preach this message this day, this way, because he opened up my eyes to it this way for you. This is brand new. This message today is brand new. And I'm telling you, if you don't repent, you're going to perish. The Galileans, repent or perish. The Tower of Siloam, repent or perish. The fruitless tree, repent or perish. John 15, 1 and 2, I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. There's repent or perish. While every branch that does bear fruit, what's he going to do? He's going to dig it, dung it. He's going to cut it off so it produces more fruit. This is the exact same message in a different parable, different story. And this fruit only comes when you're truthful because the truth will set you free. Amen. The truth will set you free. What do you need to repent of? What are you faking? What mask are you wearing? Fathers, we reflect in this moment. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're in this room today and the repentance you need to make is a repentance to turn to Jesus and turn away from your sin and believe him as your Lord and Savior, declare him as your Lord and Savior today. If that's you, would you lift your hand? I want to pray with you right now. If that's you, it's your day to get saved. Yes, it's your day. Yes. There are others. Come on, it's your day. Right now. Yes. There are others. In the name of Jesus, every one of these right now calling out to you, we repent, we turn to you. We believe that in the name of Jesus, salvation will come. In the name of Jesus, forgive, cleanse, renew. The repentance is in this hand, in this heart. Life. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we pray it. Amen. Amen. Let's take the communion elements. Speaking of digging and dunging, when Jesus' body was broken on the cross, he, he was broken, he was cut. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. 
The punishment that brought us peace was upon them. So every one of those things that you repent of right now, that punishment is now on Jesus, not on you. You are free right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus to bear on himself our brokenness, our hypocrisy, so that we could have life in you right now. As we break this bread and partake of it, we thank you for the broken body of Jesus. And we thank you for the forgiveness that is in him. And I love this part of communion right here. Do you know why I love this part so much? Because this is the new covenant in the blood of Jesus. And this new covenant means all the old stuff is gone. There's new life in him. And he said, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink this cup and eat this bread, you do proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We are celebrating the covenant of freedom and life. That dung no longer happens to us. We happen to dung. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that we have a new covenant of blessing, not of cursing, and of life and restoration in you. We receive your life. We celebrate your life, and we bless you. Amen and amen. Let's partake together. Now, we have a prayer team that's going to come up here. We're going to stand and sing this song. I'll come back and dismiss you in a second. But what I would like you to do, if you want somebody to pray with you about anything, you receive Jesus or... Maybe you have a special need. Our prayer team is going to be up here. And they're going to pray with you as uh, if you want somebody to pray with you. Please come and be a part here. And I would invite you to stand. Let's sing this song together as celebration.